Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. This show may be bad, but at least we know laundry detergent pods aren't for pipe smoking. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine. Happy April to all. And on tonight's show, uh, back again. Well, let's see. I'm back home. So there you go. Uh, but on tonight's show in, uh, in Pipe Parts, we're going to do a tale of two tobaccos. A tale of two... HH old dark fired tobaccos and that's because I got inspired after recording the interview with my guest uh, Jamie Conley uh, that's who our guest will be Jamie Conley of the stem and briar he does uh, restoration and repair work and he also has some estate pipes and uh, other than that just a great guy so we will have him as our guest and then a uh, music for the uh, for the season in particular, so we'll get that one going. And mailbag and a rant, all that coming up on tonight's episode of the Pipes Magazine Radio Show. And uh, yes, I'm back. Hey, I'm back in the saddle. Uh, you know, been gone. I uh, was gone for a total of twelve nights. The uh, first leg of the trip and the reason why I was kind of vague about where we were going was uh, because we were going to stop into Manchester, England and surprise my daughter, which we did. Spent three nights there, then four nights at Disneyland Paris, and then four nights in the city of Paris. And I, I just want to tell you before we get going that the city of Paris and the people of Paris are absolutely wonderful when it comes to, uh, in regards to smoking. Uh, not once did I get told no I couldn't smoke my pipe sitting at a little cafe or a little bistro Uh, all the cafes and bistros that have sidewalk seating uh, they all have ashtrays there and not one of them ever turned me down for lighting up my pipe and sitting out there with all the cigarette smokers and the occasional cigar smoker not one of them said no you can't smoke your pipe here so uh, even though the weather was kind of cold and and uh, dreary for most of our stay there, you know what? It was just wonderful to be able to sit and smoke a pipe. Uh, most of the bistros or little cafes have some sort of heater or cover to them or some sort of way of protecting you from the elements. And it was just really nice. You'd sit down, order a cup of coffee or order a drink or whatever, and they'd leave you alone for an hour and you could sit and smoke in peace. So... Highly recommend if you get a chance, go to Paris. It's a uh, smoking paradise. All right, let's get the show rolling. So everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in, and here we go. All right, so last week I revealed what my favorite go-to tobacco was, and uh, this week I got inspired because you'll hear Jamie talk about his favorite So I thought it was time to do an official review of a tobacco that is my number two favorite and is still readily available. And it's two different kinds of tobaccos because it's the HH Old Dark Fired and it comes in the Ready Rubbed as well as the Flake version. And, and let me just say that they're, you know, yes, they are the same tobaccos. And what happens with the ready rubbed is it's the cuttings or the incomplete cakes that get spun out and processed 
into a loose cut that is essentially the same tobacco but because it doesn't stay pressed in flake form and doesn't sit in a uh, doesn't sit in a tobacco tin for years it's a different it's a slightly different blend now when you get the flake tobacco it comes in 50 or 100 gram tins when you open it up the first thing that i've noticed and the tins that i've got have got a couple of years of age on it uh, the first thing that I've noticed is that there's a bit of a, um, a, a bit of a tartness to the smell, a bit of a, um, almost like a fermented somewhat of a smell to it. And I'm just, you know, reminding myself of that, but again, it's, it's got a bit of a tartness to it. And I believe that comes from the process that they use for hot pressing. Uh, now remember, all the HH blends are put through steam heat presses that help the blends marry and help them uh, uh, help them develop further. It kind of darkens them and smooths them out. And when they're thrown into a tin at that, and in the in the tin they come in just about the right moisture level for what you want to smoke a flake tobacco or to be able to rub it out easily. Um, it yeah, again, it it's just, it helps it darken, and I think that tartness is probably a process of the Virginias starting to age in there. All right, so you got two different tobaccos. You got the loose cut and the flake. The loose cut, again, I like to dry it down a lot so that it's almost brittle, and then I just push and pack and do it and do a, a uh, do a three a three part load. And what I find from the uh, from the ready rubbed versus the flake is less of that uh, less of that tartness, more just kind of low notes, low tones to the tobacco, uh, a little more meatier, uh, a little more meatier in flavor. And I get, and I'm assuming because I let it dry down a lot, it gets a little bit on the, um, it can burn a little hotter. So I've got to be careful with it. Uh, with the flake, I've smoked it in many different ways, all the way from rubbing it all the way out and you know, and smoking it at the moisture content of the tin, all the way down to, uh, again, just doing the tuck and fold with it, where you take it, take two flakes, form a, you know, fold them in half again across each other, fold them, uh, fold them into a U shape, push them into the bowl and as you push it into the bowl just do a slight twist to it if you do that into a group three or group four size pipe you're going to get about an hour and a half to a two hour smoke it's going to require some tamping and some working with but when you do that with the flake tobacco uh, again you get a longer cooler smoke you uh, run much less much less of a risk of it biting you uh, the flake appears to be less of it, it it feels like to me when i smoke it it's got more of the high notes to it a few more little high notes less pure single note uh, low tone so it seems like it's a little bit more of a blend versus the ready rub that seems like it's more of a single item but again this is a uh, this is a tobacco that's got some 20 year old burleys in it it's burley predominant and then it's got some Virginias mixed in for balance. Uh, my suggestion would be that you let whatever you get, you know, give it at least a, a year, year and a half, and then you'll notice a dramatic difference. 
Um, I will say that when you're smoking this tobacco, make sure that you are well hydrated. Make sure that you're doing it on on some food because it, it, is, it doesn't have as strong of a kick of its relative, the bold Kentucky. But this one will sneak up on you. And if you're not careful, you'll go to stand up and you'll feel a little woozy and you'll feel a little uh, lightheaded. Um, but again, at the end of at the end of the bowl, especially when I'm smoking this, I've noticed that I don't get overwhelmed with flavor through the pipe. But like a steak dinner, when I'm done with the pipe at the end of the bowl, I feel like I've had a full pipe. I mean, I just feel completely tobacco satisfied and it's kind of like when you eat a steak you don't get overwhelmed with flavors you get a lot of richness and a lot of uh, taste to it but when you go to get up you're like oh boy I just ate too much well same kind of feeling here so I would advise you to make sure that you are well hydrated while you're doing it all right there you go HH old dark fired from McBaron uh, both the flake and the ready rubbed same levels of intensity, just slightly different flavors and probably because of the pressing and then the packing into a tin. Comments or questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com or post them right on the Pipes Magazine radio show page on pipesmagazine.com and uh, I'll get to them. And in just a minute, uh, Jamie Conley. This is Internet Radio. What are you looking for in a pipe? Is it the quality of aged briar? Is it a certain shape or finish? Maybe it's the sound engineering that ensures an effortless, smooth draw with each and every puff. That's exactly the kind of pipe Savinelli has delivered for generations now. With such a variety of shapes, finishes, and sizes, it's easy to find something that fits your sensibility and style. Just this year, we've expanded our lineup to include the Bianca, the Lancelotto, the 2015 Collection, and the final installment in the Leonardo da Vinci line, the Vitruvio. For a bolder style, try our more colorful 2015 editions as well. The exotic cashmere, the sultry licoricea, and the striking Archibaldino red. So whatever you're looking for in a pipe, know there's a Savinelli waiting for you. Contact your local or online retailer to find your Savinelli today. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show and uh, joining us from a uh, from an undisclosed seaside coastal uh, vacation location because you're not where you're normally from, but you're taking time away from the family, uh, which we may hear in the background, uh, is uh, Jamie Conley, Jamie of Stem and Briar, and we're going to talk about pipe repair and all kinds of stuff. So, Jamie, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Thank you, Brian. I'm um, happy to be here. Been been a long time listener, so this is uh this is pretty cool. Yeah, long time listener, and you still agreed to come on the show, so I'm not so sure about you already. Uh, well, you know. <laughs> but I, I I think I'm gonna get an answer to uh, to part of that. Um, where'd you grow up? Um, I actually grew up in Brantford, Ontario, Canada. See, that explains it all right there. Right. You guys are all so naive, nice, and happy uh, that you'd still come on the show anyway. You, you, you feed us our Tim Hortons and we go along with anything. I, I'm telling you, just a good hockey game and a little Celine Dion in the background, and you guys think it's wonderful. Yeah, everything's all right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so when did you? Uh, when, when and how did you get to Wisconsin? 
Uh, I actually moved to Wisconsin in 2001 uh, to go to engineering school. So uh, uh, my, my girlfriend at the time convinced me to move down. Uh, that quickly was revealed as a trap. Uh, so she's not my she is not my wife with two kids, and uh, it's all working out as planned for her. So, so an American got her hooks into a good, humble, nice, quiet Canadian guy and pulled him down and made you move to Wisconsin, which is actually colder than Ontario. Yeah, I moved. Um, I moved north to move from Canada to the U.S. <laughs> I think like seven miles, but I moved north. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I this is way off the subject, but I mean, the southern tip of Ontario is actually south of Boston. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, it's the same weather. No change. It was actually quite funny. Uh, I mean, the, the Milwaukee area is very, very similar to home. So it was uh, easy to acclimate, I guess. Uh, beer was cheaper. Yeah. And uh, weather was the same. It, beer's cheaper. <laughs> tobacco's cheaper. Well, maybe not anymore, but... Um... Yes. Oh, pipe tobacco is way cheaper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and more readily available. Um, speaking of pipe tobacco, when did you first put a pipe in your mouth and light it? Um, well, I actually helped co-found a cigar and pipe club at my uh, at my college. And uh, I was always a uh, cigar guy. And that was in like 2000, I want to say 2003. And... You know, I'd watch a friend of mine, he'd, he'd uh, smoke a pipe, and he'd get all this enjoyment out of it, and I'm thinking, you know, what's this guy doing that I'm not? So uh, I, I grew up collecting and restoring antiques, so in true fashion, I went online, and I found a really nice, uh, you know, I, I think it was like a connoisseur, it was an 1890 Briar, and I uh, thought, all right, this is my style, I'm going to try this pipe thing, and it, that failed miserably. I, knowing what I know now... I think the previous owner either smoked grandma's perfume out of it or Lakeland. I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, it was, it was, it was horrible. Uh, nothing enjoyable at all, except for the fact I liked the look of the pipe. Uh, I sold the pipe off and never touched it again. So about a year and a half of still doing this pipe club or cigar club. And I thought, you know what? I'm still watching my buddy. He's still enjoying this. You know, I'm, I'm clearly doing something wrong. Uh, I went to a pipe shop and it was uh, 2005. And, and I picked up a brand new Savinelli. It was the one, two, three model, a triangular kind of shank. And I still have that pipe. I took that on a camping trip with me, uh, which I usually bring cigars with. And I did nothing but smoke that thing for three days. I, I probably did everything wrong with not resting it, with abusing the heck out of it. Uh, and, uh, you know, I came away after three days and that was, uh, that was the aha moment. That was like, wow, there's actually something to this, you know? Um, and yeah, it's been been since 2005. So you went camping and then got hooked on a pipe. Yep. Yeah, that was it. And I would imagine you also started to realize how much cheaper pipe smoking is than cigar smoking. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, the funny thing is, I was I was kind of a one one a month kind of guy, so the cost wasn't really there. But, um, you know, for sure, that was definitely kind of a, an interesting uh, tweak and draw to it. Is is yeah, twenty-five cents versus, you know, ten dollars. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what kind of tobaccos were you drawn to at the beginning? Um. Well, the, I'm local in Milwaukee here to uh, Uli's. Yeah. And so, uh, for those familiar, it's it's a very very burly heavy uh, shop. Um, I would say they're definitely aromatics. You know, the Lane One Qs, and um, but I, I quickly got. 
a love for just straight Burley and then quickly just straight to Virginia. Um, I mean, I'm really more of a, I still think of myself more of as a cigar flavor. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I really kind of strayed away from aromatics from the get go. Um, I don't know what it is, but there's, there's a, there's a flavor profile to aromatics that I just, I didn't really get into. I mean, I appreciate them for what they are, but, uh, yeah, straight Burleys and straight Virginias are, are kind of my go-tos. So I'm kind of interested because you you put the cigar flavor, you know, the the flavoring of a of a traditional cigar, and of course, if you know, back then when you were when you were going to Canada, you were able to get Cuban cigars and smuggle them across the border illegally. Um, <laughs> well, actually, I never did. I had friends who who um, you know, being Canadian, they could travel all the time, and yeah, a couple times a really good friend of mine, she she would. You know, ask, hey, do you want me to bring you back a box of cigars? And I'm thinking, sure, great. And yeah, they were, uh, they were, uh, what the heck were they? They were uh, Corona number fours, or uh, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to even remember now. They were, they were delicious. They weren't Monte Cristos. Uh, Bolivar, Bolivar. That was still my, uh, that was still my like, graduation cigar. That was my birthday cigar. That thing was, oh, those were unreal. And I think she got them for like fifty bucks Canadian. It was something dumb. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah. Do, so do you think the 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 burly tobaccos kind of match up better with the traditional cigar taste? Um, you know what? I would say no. I found, and for me, I'm a I'm a I'm an aged flake uh, guy. So you take a tin and bury it in the backyard for twenty years. Mm-hmm. You know, anything in the flake variety, especially if it's uh, like the H like H H Latakia. Um, that to me gives me that kind of robust full body. Um, I really get more of a cigar feel out of that tobacco than anything else. And I, I think that's what draws me to a lot of, a lot of flakes. And then the age on those really brings out to me a lot of, a lot of awesome flavors that, that are very cigar, um, you know, cigar smoker friendly, let's say. Or more of a, more of a heavy bodied kind of straightforward tobacco flavor. Yeah. Yeah. Something that's more, Yeah. Uh, full of meat. Yeah. All right. So, how long did it take for you to get your second pipe? Um. Let's see. 2005. It was about uh, about two years, and that's actually what what got me uh, into this dangerous, dangerous uh, hobby of of restoration. <laughs> um. Uh, I I I, I sense the eBay yeah. word coming up. No, no. I actually refused. I only use eBay to base pricing and then undercut my prices from there because. I, I don't, I hate eBay. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, uh, so no, it was, uh, two years later and I, I actually was on Craigslist and I found a gentleman selling a Peterson pipe. Um, again, I still have that one. And, uh, he wanted something at the time to me, it was absurd. It was like $35. And, uh, as a guy just out of college, I'm like, oh man, this is, uh, you know, this is, this is crazy. Um, and again, I bought a box of Cubans for 50 bucks. So 35 bucks is a lot of money. Um, and, and I remember going to his house and, and seeing this pipe and he had told me he had restored it. I had no idea what that meant, but it was an older pipe. And I never, I guess I was never turned off by the estate thought of it. You know, I always, I, I, I know some people have issues with, oh, estate pipes and you know, somebody else smoked it. You, um, I guess I always looked at them as, as instruments and silverware versus, you know, a toothbrush. <laughs> and uh, and being a guy who restored antiques, I could appreciate the the craftsmanship and the quality and the lumber you know selection of the older stuff. And so I bought this thing, and uh, lo and behold, it it smoked like an absolute dream. Uh, still does, and it's probably still one of my favorite pipes. Um, 
And so that was great. And then about two months later, this guy emails me and says, hey, I've got, I can't remember if it was 15 or 20 pipes. Would you be interested? And uh, he threw out some, you know, really crazy number, like $150. And uh, so I'm like, well, I am interested, but I don't have that much money. So since I had started smoking a pipe, I had met some other friends who, you know, <laughs> enjoyed it as well. And convinced them that, hey, estates were awesome, and we should all throw in 50 bucks. <laughs> and and uh, draw straws, you know, and then uh, we'll we'll go around the table and pick pipes until they're gone. And uh, they were like, "Yeah, okay, sure." You know, where else are you going to pick up five, six pipes for fifty dollars? That sounds awesome. And uh, so that's what we did. And right from there, all these ones I picked up from the same guy. He hadn't restored them, so they all needed work, and they all needed cleanup. And uh, so that that's where I started doing homework. You know, how do you clean a pipe? How do you how do you buff a pipe? How do you how do you make it look like new again? And and that really started the uh, the restoration hobby. Um, that's what really really sparked it. So that was like yeah, two thousand six, two thousand seven. <laughs> wow. Uh, so were there any were there any gems in that in that batch? Uh, there was a couple Saint Claude's, one of which I still have. I mean, he had good taste. They were basically Savinelli's, Petersons, and, and of similar caliber. Uh, there were a couple of no names. Nothing, nothing, you know, nothing that was like, oh man, this is this was like hitting a, a gold mine. But uh, for ten dollars a pipe, there was there was nothing in there that was a slouch. You know, they were all great. And I, and I want to say of the five I picked up, um, well, including the original one from him, I believe I, I only personally allow myself to own around forty or fifty, forty-eight, fifty pipes. Um, of those three are the original from that purchase. So they've, uh, they've hung on and they've still, uh, they're still giving me a ton of enjoyment. That is a perfect place for us to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about, uh, pipe repair, restoration, your full-time job. And, um, if we still have time, uh, we might talk motorcycles cause it is springtime. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell & Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. Since 1990, Cornell & Deal has been producing high-quality pipe tobacco, expertly blended by hand using time-honored methods, unique recipes, and no small amount of innovation. One example of such innovation is our bestseller, Autumn Evening. We start with whole leaf red Virginia and strip the stems by hand. The tobacco is then cut into ribbons and cooked for two days according to our unique recipe to create our special Red Virginia Cavendish. Then we infuse the tobacco while it's still hot with our secret flavoring to achieve the sublime sweetness, deep flavor, and delightful aroma that makes Autumn Evening so well loved by our loyal customers and everyone around them as they enjoy this very special blend. Cornell & Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. It's a labor of love. Contact your local or online retailer for information. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, visiting with Jamie Conley. And Jamie, the so the, the website is Stem and Briar, and that's where you do your restoration so we can we can send you pipes or you also have stuff for sale on there sometimes right i i do um uh, actually so i uh, i've got probably well actually i know the exact number it's uh 1078 pipes in inventory right now um 
but I really kicked off doing a ton of repairs, and that that kind of has sh- shadowed the estate sale uh, side. Um, I started trying to clean those up, get them posted, make it look nice, and then I kept getting too many repairs. So then that degenerated into, you know, I'm just going to take photos of these dirty, nasty pipes, and if you want one, tell me you're interested, and that will select which one gets cleaned up next. <laughs> and uh, and then that degenerated into all of those sold. And then I, I really got a catalog. I was trying to take good photos and, and weigh them and measure them. And, and you know, um, with, with the kicker that I don't, you know, I'll, I'll get part way through a restoration. Somebody will tell me, hey, I want this pipe. Uh, I don't take payment until it's done. I'll do all the work. And then I'll find a hairline crack or something silly. And, you know, I got an email back saying, hey, I can't sell you this thing. And it goes into the, uh, the bin of death. Um, you know, I, my entire intent is to to, to uh, refurbish pipes as best I can, and then to sell pipes that are that are a one, you know, back to smoking condition. So um, I, I'm picky with my own, and I, my my philosophy is easy. I don't want to send anything out that that I wouldn't be happy with. Um, and, and unfortunately, that comes usually at the cost of time. <laughs> um, yeah. And I've been fortunate. Most of these states I've picked up, you know, they've survived extremely well, and they're uh, they're easily brought back. But the the odd one has been heart wrenching. Where you find that hairline in there, and it's like, oh, I just can't, I can't sell you this. You know? <laughs> uh, that that's one of the things that a lot of people don't realize is that you're, you know, you're you're acquiring these pipes somehow, and you're paying for them. I mean, they don't, they don't just estate pipes just don't grow on trees. Uh, and if there's something wrong with it that can't be fixed, well, you've eaten that time and that cost in that pipe and. Yeah, off it goes into the. Do you save it for parts and pieces for other pipes? Maybe. I I do. Um, I've taken some, and I've actually taken pipes and sanded them on the sander until there's nothing left but dust. Um, I've saved that briar dust for repairs. Um, I, I've got. Uh, I I recently purchased a a large collection of stems, so uh, I don't necessarily save them for stems. Surprisingly, though, the the uh, the, I guess lower grade drugstore pipe. Uh, mechanical connectors, those actually tend to be uh, kind of in demand. If I can help somebody out and put one of those on their pipe and get that back in service, you know, and, and actually just th- thread one on, um, that's ideal. Um, because those, those the metal connectors are obviously harder than just a, you know, you can, anybody can mill a tenon, but uh, finding finding an old Dr. Graywell or something that, that has some weird, you know, stinger in there or, or an old K. Woody, um, it, it is nice to have those in the back lot. But, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's my form of gambling. Um, you know, some people, <laughs> some people go to the casino. I, uh, I call, you know, I, I tell people over the phone, never met them, just send me your pipes and here's a bunch of money. And I cross my fingers. It's been, uh, it, it's been fun. <laughs> now go back for a minute and without giving away any trade secrets, um, what exactly do you use the briar dust for? Oh, um, so I'll use that to patch bowl repairs. Or if there's, uh, uh, I mean, the short answer is, and I, I, there's not enough people doing this stuff, so it's kind of fun to, to play. Uh, if I've seen, I've had pipes come in that were mangled by their favorite dog, and yeah. uh, or or worse, and um, you mix uh, crazy glue and briar, you you can you can uh, make a pretty good patch, uh, or or at least a cosmetic uh, improvement. And personally, sometimes if you can do that and then stain it right, it works better than a fill that uh, tends to be a, an off color or um, yeah, I, I've, and I'm constantly experimenting with different materials and different, uh, different techniques. Um, 
so yeah, it's I got a bag of briar dust that's lasted quite quite some time. <laughs> Are you ever going to run out of briar dust? Uh, I can always make more at this point, so I'm gonna, I'm going to I'm going to safely say no. and and one of the uh, and i guess one of the other things that i like about what you're doing is you don't you're not just focused on what most of us would call you know like the the collectible or mid-range or high-end pipes you do you'll you'll restore whatever pipe you get that happens to look good and i'm just skimming through your site quickly now you've got some that are priced as low as 30 35 bucks yeah i um I mean, the short answer is, and, and people will mail me pipes, you know, that I know, hey, I wouldn't pay more than 15 bucks for this. So usually I'll reach out and say, you know, is there a personal connection to this thing? You know, is it family? Is it uh, something you really love? Uh, there's been a few people I've talked off the ledge. Like, I'm not going to do $20 worth of repair to bring you back a $10 pipe. Uh, but I absolutely love doing, you know, heirloom in the States. Um, I was never fortunate enough to get any of my grandfather's. Um, I got one. I think it's a it's an older Falcon. He he lit all of his pipes with a blowtorch, so uh, they they didn't survive well. Uh, the uh, so yeah, I love it when somebody mails it in and says you know hey I want this cleaned up and uh, it, it's it's got a personal connection. Um, and I've I've had I've had people call me up and say you know hey this was my grandfather's and uh, you know it's cleaned up and and I've actually made little displays and they had photographs of their grandfather smoking the pipes and they never intended to ever smoke them. They just want them to look nice, not smell bad, and sit on the shelf. And as unfortunate as as that is, knowing that it'll never go back into service, it's awesome to get them back in the hands of the family. So, um, yeah, for whatever reason, you know, happy to happy to clean up all ranges. But uh, obviously, if if you're going to send me a bunch of stuff that I know is is uh, is really beat up and going to take a lot of work, I'm gonna I'm gonna probably persuade you to buy new unless there's some some uh, you know (laughs) connection to it. Yeah, and even the estate pipes that you've got for sale are all reasonably priced, and you know, you've got all different price ranges on there. So it's not just a, yeah, it's not just a high end market. There's some real smoking tools there. Yeah, and and you know, there's nothing. I guess I never, you know, never shun anybody from smoking a, you name it, you know, drugstore pipe, corn cob pipe, thirty dollar pipe, forty dollar pipe, hundred dollar pipe. Um, my own collection is is eclectic. You know, I've got some high-end pipes that I've picked up for special birthdays or occasions, and and then some of my favorite knock-around shop pipes are are just twenty-dollar pieces of briar that are just nothing exciting, but they smoke really well for me, and I, I like them. Now, when you do a, when you do a cleaning on something like that, are you also kind of like looking at the interior dynamics of it and making sure that you know, like the the hole goes straight through and all that junk? <laughs> So my uh, my education is actually as a mechanical engineer. So um, fluid flow and dynamics are, are high on that list. Um, making sure uh, you know mouthpieces have have correct flow to them. There's no hard edges. Making sure tenons are the right depth. Uh, making sure there's no burrs or, or anomalies, and then making sure all the diameters are in spec. Obviously, I can't correct a uh, misaligned drill hole. But I can do everything in my power to try to get that that fluid flow as optimum as possible. So um, that's just part of what I like doing as well. Is you know take and I've had pipes come in that I know people said, I think it's dirty. It doesn't smoke well. I'll get it, and the dimensions are just way off. And on top of cleaning it, I'll I'll you know rehone it essentially, send it back. And I've uh, 
I guess I've never had, uh, I've never heard any but good comments when I hear anything back. So, uh, it's all the same thing, I guess I would do for myself. Um, <laughs> which is funny because yeah, I used to be meticulous with my own pipes and now I don't have time. So <laughs> fixing up everyone else's. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the shoemaker's kids who have no shoes yeah <laughs> but you so you are an engineer and, and are you willing to say out loud that you work for master lock ah sure yes i do because uh I mean, master lock's one of the few companies that's still manufacturing right here in the u.s but i would imagine uh you know a padlock is not that big of a deal to you well, actually, it's funny. It's, uh, I just started there uh, beginning of this year. So that uh, that was a big dynamic change for me from my, my previous job um, where I did a lot of liquid production stuff. Um, similar problems, different product. <laughs> it's all it's all engineering, but it is nice uh, working for them being, being uh, more, I guess, mechanical and hands-on. Yeah, and so, so far they haven't given you the master key to all of their locks and... Yeah, so my my garage door is safe if you come over here. Yeah, no, I'm I'm pretty much uh, I'm I'm pretty much low man on the totem pole there. You're you're all fine. Okay, good. All right, good. That's uh, and then in your uh, so you so you work full time. You've got a wife and two kids. You do the uh, the the stem and and restoration stuff. You do that, and then you also manage to uh, get out and ride a bike occasionally. Uh, whenever the weather's warm and I can pull it off, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so what do you do in your free time? <laughs> um, smoke a pipe and drink beer. <laughs> <laughs> all, all at the much lower prices of the U.S. than uh, Canada. Uh, correct. Yeah, I mean, I've been as far as I'm. I've been here since 2001, so it's uh, <laughs> um, Oak Creek is officially home. <laughs> All right, so take us through the repair services that you offer, because I mean that's you know I I try to emphasize to people, you know, a good clean pipe is going to smoke a whole lot better for you, and a pipe that is, um, you know, not gurgling is going to smoke better for you, and it's probably a lot cheaper to send it off to somebody that knows what they're doing than for us to try it on our own and screw it up. Uh, sure <laughs> but yeah just just kind of take us through some of the services that you offer and all that stuff that we can uh, that we can bug you with <laughs> sure well uh and uh, mostly uh all of my repairs are on my site um and i love being challenged by new stuff although uh the majority i so saw the majority of repairs that come in would just be a standard cleaning um so for me that would be a uh, full retort of, of the pipe itself uh, double check that there's no extra ghosting that needs further steps, uh, a light cake removal, uh, to make sure that's back to manageable. And I mean, I've had some pipes come in that you couldn't even put a pipe cleaner down the, down the bowl, yeah. uh, w which I have no idea how that happens. Um, <laughs> but it does. And uh, I see them, um, usually the char on the rim, uh, cleaning that up. And then obviously, uh, um, the majority of what I get tends to be vulcanite stems. So, Taking off the oxidation, uh, especially around the button, uh, that, that tends to be you know the the area that uh, is very hard to clean. Uh, removing any teeth marks to whatever level I can without you know damaging the stem, uh, and nine times out of ten it can almost get that, that back to a jet black, uh, no no teeth mark you know uh, finish. Um, 
uh, I generally will. The only the only thing that drives me nuts is I will send pipes back with the logos intact, and you'll still see oxidation around there. I'll do the best I can to, to clean that up lightly by hand, but you know I I, I definitely want to maintain logos, um, and then fit and finish, um, making sure a pipe cleaner passes nicely, making sure that the board dynamics are good, um, and then cleaning up anything in the ten tenon. Uh, essentially, you get a lot of buildup in that tenon uh, area, uh, and I, I've seen a lot of pipes that were cleaned everywhere else, but that uh, you, the, you forget that one section, and your pipe's still sour. Yeah, uh, I'm a so little that, guilty of that. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the uh, the gist of it. You know, the majority of general cleanings, and then the second most common repair I tend to get is a uh, is a is a broken tenon. Uh, that dreaded, you know, hit the floor and you find it in two pieces. Um, so a lot of tenon repairs, I do Delron replacements. And then beyond that, if it's been, you know, it's completely mangled bit through or, or somebody just does not want the stem that's on there, uh, full stem replacement. And I'm still cataloging right now, but I'm, I'm, uh, and that'll be the next section of my site to come up is, is I will have a full section of, um, stem material available. I am still entering it into my database. Um, I've got I've got a lot of stems. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you can so you can do stem work for a while now. Yeah, uh, for quite a while. I've kind of looked at it. I thought, oh, this is great. I, I've got enough to last me a while. And then I realized I have enough to probably supply North America for a while, and, and I need to get these out there. So, um, yeah, I, I was fortunate enough to – I've been working with a local shop, and, and I, I picked up a lot of material – so that'll be once I once I know what I have because I know me I'll go and list it and somebody will say hey I want stem X and I'll sell it and then realize crap I only had those and uh, <laughs> and then I'm out of luck <laughs> so yeah I've uh, been spending a lot of time in my garage uh, counting stems it's uh, it's as exciting as you'd think it'd be isn't that what kids are for yeah yeah I'm, I'm working on it I'm working on it they're, uh, okay yeah yeah their their rates are their rates are higher than I like. But uh, <laughs> 1.2 million dollars. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, beyond cleanings, tenons, and then um, I'm trying to think. The you know, I've got everything else under the sun. I've done uh, some meerschaum caps for some calabash pipes. Uh, like I said, uh, yeah, new stems, uh, silver work, a lot of uh, banding for crack shanks. Uh, I've had a few shank rejoinings. Uh, complete bottom bowl burnouts and rebuilds there. Um, I will say that I, I will play with meerschaums. Uh, I've done, I've done bone screw tenon replacements there. Um, they scare the living crap out of me, but I, <laughs> I, I just meerschaums never, I don't know. I, I like wood, um, <laughs> but I will, I will, I will, I will attempt uh, as best of my ability. And I usually take three times longer because I'm extra cautious of meerschaums, but uh, I will repair them, but they do scare me. <laughs> <laughs> one wrong move and you got a new powder around you exactly so yeah i've been uh, quite fortunate you know it's uh time patience and, and growing up restoring a lot of stuff uh working around spinning equipment it, it's been I've, been I've been fortunate in that, that those skills have come in very handy as not sending pipes across the shop uh <laughs> When, when, when doing a few of my own in, in the early days, uh, yeah, that uh, that was a real that was a real possibility. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and for the bike riders out there, and for the people like me that are jealous of you, um, what kind of bike do you ride, and 
uh, and all the little details that all you uh, motorcycle riders want to know? <laughs> um, well, I've got I've got two. Um, I've got a 1967 Harley Sprint H that uh, is 250 cc's and should have never been made. Um, <laughs> I bought that as a trainer bike, and it's a it's a goofy little museum piece. It's really fun to take on. Uh, you know, being in Milwaukee, I can take it on the hunter. You know, the hundred. 10 15 20 anniversary rides uh and you got a lot of crazy looks from guys because they, they only made a handful of them um so that that's usually sitting there leaking oil somewhere um <laughs> but my daily my daily ride <laughs> funny as it is is a 1993 electric glide uh an flhs specifically it's a it's like an inch shorter than the standard flh uh it's good for fat little irish guys like me and uh yeah, I, I love that bike when it came out, and uh, 20 years later, I was able to finally find one. So that is my uh, that is my daily ride whenever I get the chance. And to and to me, who is just jealous because my motorcycle has four wheels on it and two doors and a roof and all that. That was that was the, that was the compromise with the wife. So uh, none of that meant anything except it sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, it's uh. I mean, I haven't really done a lot of long road trips. That's coming up. But, uh, yeah, just driving around, driving to work when I can. Um, I don't put a ton of miles on. You know, obviously, yeah, you can only do so much with the family uh, or take the, the wife on the occasional trip. But, yeah, I enjoy it. So, yeah, and, yeah. You, and you live in winter nine, well, eight months out of the year up there anyway. Well, yeah, with Wisconsin, that's what we were, we were joking with. Uh, summer is really nice and last year it was on a tuesday so uh, we, we don't know when summer will be this year but we'll, we'll, we'll get there <laughs> on that note we will wrap this up with the fast five final questions no right answer no wrong answer just whatever comes to your mind are you ready yeah fire away what is your favorite pipe uh, um you know what it's my, my collection is is like i said limited to my 48 and uh if i get a new pipe in or somebody gifts me one and I enjoy it. Uh, one of those 40 have to leave. So o- over the last several years, I've been refining that. So at any given time, one of the 48. <laughs> <laughs> and what is your favorite tobacco? Um, any any good aged flake. Um, I like the HH Latakia. Yeah, HH Latakia. Uh, right now, uh, Solani Silver. Um. Those are those are kind of my my light versus heavy variants that, that I enjoy a lot. What is your favorite drink? Oh man, um, I'm not gonna. I, I I have all kinds of drinks. So coffee during the day. If I'm in the mood for wine, it's Cabernet. If I'm in the mood for booze, it's Bourbon. If I'm in the mood for beer, it's beer. Um, <laughs> probably something darker. And being in Milwaukee, there's not a shortage of beer around either. No, we're uh, we're not struggling. <laughs> um, when it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? Uh, music. I, I almost always have music going on in the shop. And finally, do you have a particularly favorite pipe smoking related memory that we haven't talked about? Um, you know what, every uh. So every year, that, that canoe trip, I initially went on and got hooked on pipe smoking. Uh, I, I do that every year. It's up north. It's over three days. you got to bring all your gear in, bring all your gear out. And uh, sitting in a canoe in the middle of nowhere, 
just you and whatever the heck you brought, and usually your your partner who is who's least you know not very useful, um, and and just sitting up there in the, the peace and quiet, and and enjoying a pipe on the water is is fantastic. Um, been doing that trip every year for fifteen years, and yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, and with you being originally from Canada, just don't do a canoe trip in northern Georgia. All right. <laughs> Not good, huh? <laughs> you might look awfully pretty. Um, <laughs> Jamie, thank you very much for uh, taking time away from the family and joining us, and uh, hopefully we'll see you in uh, Chicago. Oh, I will definitely be there. I already got my room booked, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to, excited to get over there. And we'll be back in just a minute. Meet Aaron, one of the most important people at SmokingPipes.com. In our shipping department, he's one of the cogs in the highly efficient wheel, if you will, that's responsible for making sure your order goes out right every time. Ain't that right, Aaron? I don't know all about that cog in the wheel stuff, but I do know at SmokingPipes.com, I take my work very seriously. Pulling tents of tobacco, weighing bulk tobacco, triple checking orders, and getting them out the door. Since it's so easy to order from SmokingPipes.com, you're keeping Aaron pretty darn busy. Look at him go, go, go. <laughs> In fact, it's been a challenge to get him to stop long enough to say hello. But Aaron doesn't mind. He loves his job at SmokingPipes.com. Why is that, Aaron? Because I don't just ship pipes. I smoke them. Gotta run. <laughs> just log on to SmokingPipes.com or call us at 1-888-366-0345. We are quality. We are experts. We are SmokingPipes.com. This is internet radio and i am back so uh, yeah please check out uh jamie's website stem and briar lots of cool stuff that he's doing there all right for music you know i, I kind of missed it with uh, with all the travel coming up but we have easter and passover upon us and then i was uh, talking to my good friend dan locklear this week and he reminded me of his organ piece called rubrics and uh, yeah, he suggested that we that I play the uh, the fifth movement. Uh, well, I've decided that we're going to play the fourth and the fifth. It's uh, kind of the kind of the perfect message for this time of year. The fourth movement is titled "The Peace May Be Exchanged," and then the fifth movement is uh, "And They Respond Amen." So we get some uh, beautiful organ music here by uh, pipe smoker Dan Locklear.
That is two-fifths of Dan's rubrics performed by Marilyn Kaiser, and you can find that on Spotify. You can go online and search for it and order it for yourself. It's available all over the place. Oh, boy, we've got a message. All right, a lot of mailbag to get caught up on. So going back three weeks ago to uh, Tom, the Northwest pipe smoker, a couple of things I think we need to get caught up on. Uh, Randy R80 says, love this show. Thank you for all your hard work that you put into making sure that we have the best freaking information about pipes, tobacco, and the great history about the hobby. You are welcome, and I'm glad it's freaking information. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, uh, love it. Uh, Down Home Smoker said, Great show. Tom was very jovial, and with how energetic he was, I can only imagine what he'd he'd be like after a shot of espresso. (laughs) Ha ha, pleasant smokes. Uh, Yeah, Tom with a shot of espresso. Um, Anyway, that'd that'd be fun to try. And then uh, going back to uh, two weeks ago with Shane Ireland on, Casey Ghost writes, this was really a good show. I smoke both vapor and English and have no interest in aromatics, so I'm pretty well set. I was pleased with Shane's recommendations of Mad Fiddler. I really like that blend. On your rants, it doesn't take much packing to protect what is being shipped. Heck, we all have newspapers lying around, even if it's in the form of flyers in the mail. If you do your packing ahead of time, there should be no problem in having packing materials around. As for a manufacturer taking a bad picture, there just isn't any excuse. Your explanation of what happened to three nuns makes sense in a way, but what they ended up producing was, wasn't was really three nuns, more like two nuns. <laughs> yeah, kind of missing a nun when you take the perique out. Anyway, hopefully more on that shortly. Uh, Crash the Gray writes, uh, good show. I hope your travels are going well. It's always interesting to hear about some hybrid blends or crossover blends. I count sixpence as one of them. It's a wonderful tobacco flavor with a more pleasant room note. Definitely a smoking around non-smokers type of tobacco for me. Um, you know, and I wonder, are there times when we also select pipes that may not, uh, you know, that may be more appealing to others around us as well as the tobaccos? Um, anyway, just my thought. <laughs> uh, I tend to, especially when I'm going to be out in public, I tend to just carry more traditional straight billiards. Uh, and then uh, last week with Keith Moore, uh, Casey Ghost writes, good luck to the folks out there who are looking for a McClellan replacement. I would consider any tobacco that gets to the 70% mark a success. A real good show with Keith, but it was weird that his pipe knowledge seemed to end about the year 2000. I really enjoyed the stories about Lars, Bo, Yes, Pear, and Ulf, and etc. They were very entertaining and informative. Nice that he went out of his way to compliment the people that helped him out along the way like Rick Newcomb. Also nice to see that he praised Vez, uh, Vez pipes as well. Julius is at least 80 years old and a true craftsman. I have several of his pipes, and they smoke very well. Uh, and a little update on Julius. He's uh, moving out of his uh, shop that he's had for years in the hotel and uh, going to be working from his home. So he's still plugging along. Uh, and then Down Home Smoker says, It was nice to hear that the pipe carvers don't pit themselves against each other. I also found the bit at the end you did in response to Matt's email very informative. Well done on the show. Thank you very much. And then finally, we have uh, from Andrew Sarigliano. Hope I did that right. 
Uh, he said, just listen to the show and enjoyed it as usual. Thanks, Brian, for all your hard work putting out a quality show each week. Very informative, uh, very informative. especially enjoyed Shane's take on tobacco options for experimenting with different blends. I had a question for you and Shane about hearing about travels uh, with pipes. I fly, a, I fly quite a bit for work and curious any recommendations you or Shane may have for traveling long distance with pipes and tobacco. Any specific packing, pouch, or travel recommendations? Thanks again. All right, so since I just got back from traveling, here's my, uh, my recommendation for you know, going on the road with pipes and tobaccos, which I used to do fre frequently. There we go. Spit that out. Um, first of all, don't take anything on the plane with you that you are afraid of it getting damaged or lost. Okay? Uh, you know, when you travel, things get tossed around. Don't check any pipe or tobacco item into your luggage. Carry it on the plane with you as a carry-on. I always make sure that whatever pipes and tobacco items I bring are small enough to fit in the uh, under the seat in front of me. So that way they're not stuffed up in the overhead where stuff may slide around or someone may go up there and jab at it or poke at it or push at it or whatever it is. Uh, but I always make, so I always make sure that whatever I have fits into my backpack or fits into a little bag that I'm going to put under the seat in front of me and I'm the one that has control over what happens to it. Uh, when it came to this past trip, I took three pipes and I took them in a somewhat hard-sided two-pipe case that uh, Rossi puts out. It's a blue, I picked a blue one. It's a zipper case and it holds two pipes and it has a little uh, little fishnet thing in there to hold a, tam a tamper and some other stuff. Um, when it comes to tobaccos, don't fly with anything that the TSA may want to open up if you're not ready to open it yet because they may want to see inside the can. Uh, when it comes to lighters, only use, only take disposable lighters with you. Bic or Dejeeps like I use, my, uh, my famous Dejeep lighter. There it is. Uh, you're allowed one lighter in your pocket on the plane. You are allowed to take a lighter, a disposable lighter on the plane with you. So don't hesitate. Uh, just be ready if they, if, the, when you're going through security, if they want to see your pipe cleaners, show it. So travel, you know, give yourself a little bit extra time in case you get stopped because the pipe cleaners in an x-ray look like a whole bunch of little metal wires going in different directions. Um, other than that, you know, fly with them. <laughs> they know what pipes look like. Uh, you know, travel with your pipes, protect them, but uh, don't put them in the checked luggage. Don't put your tobacco in the checked luggage. Don't take a tamper that's got a knife on it. Take a tamper that's got a, a, a soft poker, you know, scraper thing to it. Um, and if they ask you what that is, tell them it's a tamper for your tobacco pipe and show them how it works. Just plan ahead and give yourself an extra 10, 15 minutes. There you go. All right. Rant time is coming up next. Cowboy. Cowboy. Mm -hmm. 
If you walk into a business and morale is low, the the employees there are just dragging along, nobody's smiling. If the morale is low, I blame the owners or the managers. Yep, that's who I blame. Uh, the owners or the managers. And for example, the first flight that we took overseas uh, left Philadelphia heading for Manchester. That flight crew inside that cabin, the only way their morale could have gotten any lower was had they been mummified for 2,000 years and then drug out to work. These people just didn't want to do anything. They wanted to do the minimum that they could and get by. They didn't even smile when they were talking to each other. So who do I blame for that? I mean, these people went into this business to travel, fly, see the world and stuff like that. Who do I blame for that? I blame American Airlines for beating the happiness out of these people and making them miserable. Now, most of those people are senior flight attendants and they remember the days when things used to be better and now they're sitting there looking at this miserable thing that they call a job and they're just clocking hours until they get to the end. And whose fault is it? It's the management, it's the ownership, it's the people around them that have done this to them. You can't blame them 100%. Yeah, sure, they could make lemon, you know, make lemonade out of lemons, but if you walk into a cigar shop or a pipe shop or you walk into a tobacco shop and the and the people that are working there are just surly, grumpy, well, you know, they didn't go to work there because they hated it. They went to work there because they liked that place and then something changed somewhere down the road and it got beaten out of them well the same thing happened with this crew on this flight to manchester england where this group of flight attendants just didn't want to do anything unless they absolutely had to you know what i've done a whole bunch of jobs i've worked for different companies through my life i've never had the moment where i just felt like blah i don't care anymore i always found a reason to care uh, anyway, it's the company's fault. All right, comments or questions, post them on pipesmagazine.com. Email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. Uh, hope to see some of you this weekend on the 7th at the Raleigh Pipe Show in Raleigh, North Carolina. Hope you all are getting your plans ready for the Chicago Pipe Show. Uh, due to my son's graduation and getting his master's degree, I'll be arriving at Chicago on Saturday morning and spending two nights there. So if you don't see me on Thursday or Friday, that's why. But I'm still looking forward to seeing everybody in Chicago. Uh, hope you're all enjoying the spring weather, if it's actually sprung where you are. So thanks to uh, Jamie for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in. And until next time. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Oh, wait, instead of laundry detergent pods, let's all go eat snails. <laughs>